while he was um, speaking over this uh, weekend, I found this stirred up in me again. And, uh, and I kind of want to come and bring it prophetically. I want to bring it prophetically to the house, but I want to bring it prophetically to individuals as well. In John 5, John 5, reading from verse 1, the Bible says that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, we pray that you by your spirit will speak to people's hearts and lives today. I pray that, that something will happen. As I speak on this, something will happen in mindsets, in attitudes, Things will be broken. Things, people will break out and break through in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So I wanted to just reflect that this guy had been in this position for 38 years. He was stuck somewhere for a long time. And he was stuck in his condition. He was stuck in a mindset and he was stuck in a friendship circle. And I know that the easiest thing to focus on when you look at this account is the physical healing, but it's almost the story behind the story that what happened in this man's mind. And I feel that this just locks into some of the things that Paul was sharing. Because I think that God is trying to get us to think in a different way. You see, he was in a place where he was surrounded with people who were similar to himself. When you surround yourself with people who are the same as you, who speak like you, who think like you, behave like you, it's difficult to see beyond that. It's very important the kind of people we have around our lives. Are the, are the people that are around us, are they helping us maintain the status quo in our life or are they calling something out of us? Are they calling us 
into something greater, into something deeper, into something better? Are they calling you out from where you are? The, the people you surround yourself with is key. We find, we find this man stuck somewhere between his dreams and his reality. The man clearly had a dream, and the dream was that he would be well. The reason we know that is because he positioned himself at a place where every now and again people got well. There was a legend that an angel would come down and stir the waters, and whoever got into the waters first, after the stirring, would be healed. And that is why this place attracted so many physically needy people. He had a desire to be different, but he was stuck between his dreams and his reality. I don't know whether there's anyone here tonight who's feeling stuck. You, you've got dreams. You've got a belief that, that God could do something more in you and God could do something more with you and, 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 and there is more than you are presently experiencing and yet you are every day faced with your reality that you can't seem to do anything about. You're, you're positioned near hope but you can't embrace that hope. You can't get yourself out of the circumstances that you are in. You know, I think that but sometimes church can be like that. I've written down here that we can hover around a miracle lottery hoping that our number comes up. And, and, and the, the problem with that is that sometimes we can, we can hover around hope and that becomes the thing. We actually celebrate the fact that we're near it, but we're not, even though we're not actually receiving it, the fact that we're near it is enough. And I, I want to say that clearly Jesus came up with a, an agenda. He was saying, that this is not enough. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be different? And it was a reasonable question, although actually the man never, asked, never answered the question. But Jesus said, do you want to get well? Do you want to be different? Truly. Are you, are you going to hover around the possibility of a miracle? Are you going to hover around hope? Or are you going to actually embrace something and do something? Because the reality is that it is, it's, it's easy when you are in amongst people of like mind and you've been in the same place for a long time with the same thing doing the same thing, sometimes it's just easier to stay as you are. And maybe you identify more with your condition than the conditions of your breakthrough. Because you gravitate to what you're used to. It's not great, it's not the best, but it's what I know. And I can talk about the possibilities, but I never actually have to embrace them. 
See, Jesus says, do you, said, do you want to get well? Because there is a cost to the change I say I want. Because if I do get well, if you answer this prayer, Lord, if I get my breakthrough, life is going to change. I'm going to have to move from where I am. I'm going to have to make new friends. I'm going to have to fend for myself. That has not been my story for a very long time. For thir- I, I know more how to do the thing that I've done for 38 years than I know how to do the thing I say I want. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm more familiar with that world. I'm more familiar. We actually don't know how old he was, but by anybody's standard, that's a long time to carry a certain condition. And I find it intriguing, his response I find intriguing because he didn't answer the question, but he said probably what he'd said to everybody for years. He said, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. You see, he had allowed himself to become the victim of his own excuses. He desired something. He wanted something. He was believing something. He'd even positioned himself to receive that. But I want you to notice that he said, there is no one to help me. There is no one to help me. I want, to say, I want to say to us tonight that when it comes to the things of God, we need to stop looking for someone to be the answer to our problem. We've got to stop looking to someone to open the door. We've got to lo- stop looking to someone to give us the prophecy. We've got to stop looking to someone to laying hands on me, to, to, we've, got to, we've got to stop looking to someone to, to make the way for me to be what I believe God is wanting me to be. Because when they don't turn up and when they don't do what I say I'm believing that they will do, then I lock myself into an excuse because I'd say, hey, I would do it. I would go there, I would do that if only I'd had somebody to help me, if I'd only had someone to help me over this issue, over this problem, if I'd only had someone to help me get through this situation, then it would be different. And I understand, I understand what it is because it's, it's so much easier to look for someone than it is to look to God. Someone isn't the answer to your situation. Now, God may use someone, but you can't look to the someone. You've got to look to God. Because the someone that you might be choosing is, might be the someone that, that God isn't going to use. God can sometimes surprise you in who he uses to bring the answers to, into your life. And I know, I know what it is. I remember, I remember as a young man, you know, looking for, looking, um, for God to do something in my life, looking for other people to validate what I felt God was saying to me. 
looking for someone to validate me, looking for someone to prophesy over me. I remember years and years ago, there was a, a guy called Frank Houston, Brian Houston's father. He was in this hall and he was prophesying over people and he was picking people out. And, and uh, you know, there are some people in life who were like, uh, like bob down low and hide away from, uh, from situations like that. I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, 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 and actually, I didn't get picked. I didn't get picked. And I felt the Lord say to me, why are you looking for this man to tell you what, I, what I've already told you? Why do you need it? Why, why, will it? why will it feel better coming from him when I've already said it? And I, it's, it's looking for that validation. It's looking for someone. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being validated by someone. But if my desire to be validated by someone is greater than my desire to be validated by God, I'm missing the point. Because any man who opens a door for you can close it. But if God opens a door, no man can close that door. No man. So when, when we're looking to people, I think the enemy actually looks for opportunities to set us up so that we can, we can end up wounded because people haven't done for us what they said they were going to do for us or they haven't, uh, they haven't fulfilled promises and we end up wounded and we've got our excuse now. I would have been that person. I would have received my miracle. I would have got my, get, my breakthrough, but I had no one to help me. And I say that because we can sit around saying, you know, oh, if only, if only there was a, father, a spiritual father to mentor me. If only there was a spiritual mother to mentor me. Where are, where are those people, you know? I, listen, I've got nothing against spiritual fathers and I've got nothing against spiritual mothers. But, but we can use those things as an excuse to stop us pressing into God. And what if your spiritual father is going to start telling you what you don't want to hear? Start telling you that, you know, they're not, they're not just laying hands on you and prophesying over you. They're telling you that you need to get some of the things in your life sorted out. And, and you, are you going to think, no, no, I'm going to choose myself another spiritual father. Someone who really knows how to hear God. Someone who really, because this guy, they're, they're just, they're focusing on the wrong thing. See, I believe that all, all he did in that moment was repeat the story he'd been telling himself. He told, him, he told himself a story for a long time and he repeated the story that he told. I have no one to help me. Someone else always gets it before me. Do you, are, you, are you one of those people who, who believes that somehow you always, you know, it's, someone else gets picked. Someone else gets chosen. Someone else is getting their breakthrough. Someone else is getting blessed. And you somehow just seem to miss out. You just somehow seem to get overlooked. I think that sometimes God will cause you to be overlooked until you don't need to be seen. I remember many, many years ago, we used to do, in a Sunday evening, we used to do congregations around the city. And I was in the congregation that met here. And, uh, and, uh, and we would, I was a, a home group leader then. I used to call them home groups, life groups, you know. And we were told that the life group leaders were going to get opportunity to preach. And, um, and I was so excited about this because I wanted, I wanted to preach. And I remember sitting there when everyone was given their responsibilities and so-and-so was going to get the opportunity to, um, to uh, 
preach and so and, and uh, Chris Priddle, Steve was Steve was there. He remembers it. And uh, Chris Priddle, there was a clipboard, and I remember. And I I didn't even get a mention. And I think someone whispered in his ear. It's okay. It was, it was, um, Malcolm. Malcolm's here. Malcolm. Oh, oh yes, Malcolm. He is. Uh, he's he's uh, room set up, and sat down. Right, I'd not seen it going that way, you know what I mean? I was looking for my, op- like my job was to put out chairs and pack away chairs at the end. And uh, there was actually no one around to be saying what a lovely job I did of either. And you know what? I, I did know it was absolutely a setup from God. Because God wanted, God, until I knew how to serve God quietly behind the scenes... Without, with, with only needing recognition from God himself, then only then could I serve him in the pulpit. And that obviously came. But you've got you've to allow God to, to put you in the place of seclusion until, until he decides it's time for people to see what he knows is already on your life. Essentially, this guy was saying that I have no one to help me. And while I'm trying, someone steals my moment. You know what? The truth is that the only person who can steal your moment is you. God had to show me to stop making excuses and stop making a plan. One of the things that I've really loved about Paul being here is that he's um, really debunked some of the spiritual stuff that some of us uh, learned uh, years ago. And, uh, you know, I think that for me, it, one of the, the things, and we've, we've talked about it, we'll never stop talking about it because I believe that in the preparing of men and women of God, in preparing for, 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 for ministry, the key is to learn to serve. And this is where I believe that the whole, th- and I think I might upset some people right now, but I think that destiny and prophecy can be an enemy in this situation. Let me explain myself. See, I believe, I, we, I, I was also here years ago when Miles Monroe came here and he started teaching about destiny. It was like mind-blowing stuff. It's just awesome, awesome to know that God has called us, God has God has uh, uh, got a plan for us. All the days ordained for me written in his book before one of them came to be. It's absolutely fantastic to realize that, to realize that we're here on the earth with a purpose and, and that we have got a destiny, that God has got a plan for our lives. But the problem is that somehow we have made an idol of our destiny. And that, and that means that, that, that I, I keep myself off to one side because I can't do that and I can't do that because I've got, a, I've got this destiny, I've got this prophetic word over my life. So I can't help you there because I've got this prophetic word. And I do believe that, that that thinking can be an enemy and actually rob you of your destiny. It can actually rob you of what God has uh, planned for your life because you are basically putting yourself forward and saying, you know what, I'm the captain of my ship. I decide what happens in my life 
And, and I've got to preserve that. Instead of saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I submit myself to you. I allow you to open the doors. I'm just going to serve wherever. I'm going to serve wherever. And allow God to open the doors. It's to trust that God knows where you are. One of the things I love about this account is that, that Jesus saw this man in the crowd. I want you to know that Jesus sees you in the crowd. You do not have to promote yourself. You do not have to put your name forward. You don't have to have name with your, your cards with your name on so that people know who you are. You don't have to be telling me about these incredible prophecies that God has got for you and over your life. You don't need to tell me those things because let me tell you, when, when the call of God is on your life, when the anointing of God is on your life, it will be evident. You will not have to proclaim that yourself. You will not have to share that yourself. You do not have to advertise you. God knows where you are. Even if you're out in a field looking after some sheep, then God knows where you are and he will fetch you. He will get somebody to come and get you. The thing about Jesus is in this account is that he, uh, I, I find it again interesting. I mean, Jesus, Jesus could have a word of knowledge about anyway, anyone, but he actually got some information about this guy that he saw in the crowd. And he found out, he learned that he'd been there a long time. He didn't say, oh, I perceive or I got a word of knowledge. He learned. He found out about that guy. You don't, you don't know who's talking about you and where they're talking about you and, and the opportunities and the possibilities that may open to you if you entrust, truly entrust your future into the hands of God. And some of that is about learning to submit. It's about learning to trust spiritual leadership. I think one of the, one of the, the great strategies of the enemy has to, be, to cause a breakdown between the body and spiritual leadership, a breakdown of trust. Because the key, the key to seeing your destiny released is that you learn to trust the, the spiritual leadership that God has put over you because they are fallible. Fallible men and women, that, 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 of that there is no doubt. There is no perfect man. There is no perfect woman. That there is only God that is perfect. They are fallible, but God asks you to trust. He asks you to trust. That's, that's why even Jesus himself came and submitted to John the Baptist. Even Jesus himself brought himself under spiritual authority. He's God himself, but as a human being, he brought himself under spiritual authority and submitted to John the Baptist so that all righteousness would be fulfilled. That we have to bring ourselves under submission in order to see the mission released in our life. And that is about learning to serve. And like I, I can prove to you with my life that God has got time to wait for you to learn that lesson. And he's not phased by geography at all. Because what you don't learn here, he'll wait until you end up over there. And then that lesson will be waiting for you. It may be packaged slightly differently, but it will still be waiting for you. And if you don't learn it there, it'll be waiting for you over there. And let me tell you, it'll be waiting for you your whole life, wherever you go. Because you don't 
ever go around the fences that God wants you to jump. You have to jump them if you're going to see. And that's why you can end up, you can end up called, anointed, and gifted, and frustrated out of your brains. Because God will not allow that door to be open until you do it his way. And some will fight and struggle and kick and they'll kick the door down and they'll manage to do it for a season. But whatever they establish will never last. And they will just be incredibly frustrated. See, Jesus learned that this man had been there a long time. I want to say that Jesus is not intimidated by your story. Jesus is not intimidated by your story. There's nothing in your story that can hinder your future unless you allow it to. Jesus is not intimidated. He's not bothered how long it's been. And you know what? He can do things very quickly. He can turn water into good wine in a moment. Things that should take a long time, he can make happen in a moment. And basically what Jesus was doing in this man's life is was coming to him and saying, to, it was an ordinary day, but he was saying, it's time. It's time. It had been a long time. It had been a long story. It had been a challenging story, but it's time. You know what? Along the way, God is going to declare time in your life. He's going to say, it's time. It's time to take the next part of the journey. It's time for you to break through. It's time for you to embrace this. Because God's more committed to you and your future than you are. God is more committed to blessing you than you are to being blessed. What I love about this, it shows us that God was going to do it, but not in the way the man thought he was going to do it. The man was just on the verge of a miracle. He'd set himself up. He'd, his confession was that the way I'm going to get healed is by going into the water. But I'm frustrated because I've got no one to help me get in there. Jesus had a plan to heal him, but he wasn't going to touch the water. And God wants to give you the answer to your prayer, but it may come packaged in a way that, you, that is different to the way you think. He may have done it like that for other people. You may have seen other people get in ahead of you and get their miracle, but God is turning up to you today Say, don't limit me. Don't limit me to think that I will do things the same way for you. You need to trust me. I will make a way for you. I will carve a way. I will, I will split the seas and cause you to walk right through it. It does not matter. I will do whatever is necessary to get you to where I want you to be. But will you trust me will you let go of your destiny will you let go of the steering wheel of your life and let me get you to where you are believing to get to and Jesus asked the man to do something that the man believed he couldn't do and this is this is the bit that I love. There was something that had to happen in the man's head before something happened in his legs. I know the physical healing is incredible, but something had to happen inside here because Jesus spoke to him at the point 
that he believed for 38 years he couldn't. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. He had worked out a way in his head of how it would all work out. And Jesus said to him, get up. It's like, you know, if you didn't know, if, if it was anybody else, you'd think, well, that's a bit cruel, really. It's a bit cruel asking someone to do something that they know they can't do. But Jesus will come and ask us to do things that we believe we can't do because he wants to show us that through him we can. But somewhere along the line, something happened in this man's head that got him to try. And as he tried, he discovered he could. I wonder what it is that God wants you to try that right now you believe you can't. You believe that's not me. I can't do that. I know I can't do that because everything in my history says to me, I can't do that. But Jesus says, get up. Get up. Get up. Where, where do you need to get up? Where have you been stuck and lying down believing you can't and Jesus is coming to you and saying, get up. Get up. Where as a church have we been stuck and lying down and God is coming to us say, get up. Get up. Stop making excuses. But it's always been this way. And Lord, we thought you were going to do it this way. No, get up. I am doing a miracle. Will you just listen to me and do it this way? I know it's, 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 it's not what you thought, but will you obey? Will you just do what I say? Believe Jesus and do something. Do something. If, let me tell you, if I'd have been waiting... If, if we'd have been waiting for the angelic host to come and give us direction for our life, we would, I would never, all those years ago, gone and spoken on the square. I, I, absolutely ridiculous. You need to understand. So listen, I don't actually advocate that, that form of evangelism. Um, I think it's lazy evangelism. I don't think it's the way God really wants to work. But God, no doubt, he spoke to me years and years ago and told me to go and preach on the square. And he gave me some incredible stories, which I won't go into now. But I need you to know, apart from those incredible stories which God threw in, it was for me. Because God was trying to do something in me. He was trying to get Malcolm Baxter to stand up. And I, I, I had some big things I needed to get over within myself if I was going to embrace the things because God had some bigger plans for me. And he knew that the same man that, that he was speaking to about going to preach on the square, he was then going to send to one of the housing estates in the city and he was going to get me to do something there. And then building on that, that, that was something else I couldn't do. I can't do that. I can't do that. But Jesus, you said, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. And then God sent us to South Africa and God brought us back here. Let me tell you, my journey has been marked. Our journey has been marked by, I can't do that. We can't do that. Everything in my history says, I can't do that. But Jesus says, get up. And so I get up because you've told me to do it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. And when I try, I find I can. And God helps me. 
You know, it says, that word, that word get up, it, it has within it, in the, in the it, it actually, um, in the King James, it says arise. That word within it, with, contained within it, means to arouse from sleep, to awake. To arouse from sleep, to awake. It's like Jesus is saying, is Jesus not just saying get up, he's saying wake up. Wake up, you, you have lived in a trance. You have lived believing something. I am, I am coming to do something in you today that is gonna cause you to think in a different way. I am breaking something over your life so that you can walk and live in a measure of freedom that you never have before. Another connotation of that word arise is to raise up, cause to be born. I love that. It's, 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 it's like to wake up, but it's, it's like to, to experience a birth. It's like I am, I am doing something new in you. There is something that is being born out of your life, born out of this moment. Do we believe that God wants some things to be birthed? out of your life, birthed out of this house, birthed in a way that is going to influence our city and influence our nation. You know what? We need, we need some people who are just going to trust God and believe God and not allow their history to stand in the way. And they say, God, I don't know. Everything within me says I can't do this, but because you say I can, I'm going to get up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And even though everything within me is screaming, you can't, you can't, you can't. In Jesus' name, I can do all things. I think we're going to be very surprised in the days ahead as we see who go to the north and the south and the east and west of this city, as we see people uh, go to the, the, the 10 cities north of us and further than that, we're going to be surprised at some of the people who go to some of those places because we have in our mind the kind of people who go and do things like that. And I think that Jesus has just got some other ideas. He's going to surprise us. He's going to surprise us because he's not looking for superstars. He's just looking for some willing people who are ready to rise up, listen to what he says, obey what he says, and do it. And those are the people that he's going to use to change a community, change a city, change a nation. Jesus went to that man that day. And he called limitation off him. And I just believe that if you forget everything else I've said tonight, remember this. I've come, I've come tonight by the Spirit to call limitation off you. Everything that has been limiting you, everything that has been holding you back, everything in the way you think that has stopped you being and doing what God wants you to do. Get up. Turn to the person next to you and say, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. What is it that's holding you back? What, what is it that's holding you down? Will you believe Him? Will you trust Him? Will you try? Will you at least try and get up? I believe I'm, I'm speaking it over this house in the name of Jesus. That limitation is coming off us in Jesus' name. Everything about our history 
everything about my history, everything about the history of this house that would limit us and stop us becoming what God wants us to be now. Jesus turned up and He said, I don't, I'm not bothered about what has been. I'm bothered about what is about to be. And I'm calling you to get up, to take up your bed and walk, to leave behind your excuses, to leave behind all the issues and all the problems and everything you think you are and everything you think you are not. In Jesus' Name, limitation is coming off you and you are walking free into my purpose today. And it's not that the road is all going to be easy and it's not that the road is going to be problem free. But I will be with you and my strength is in you and my hope is in your heart and I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to surprise you that even though you've been in this place for a long time, I am loosing you from everything in your history that will hold you back and you will walk in a measure of freedom. You will think in a new way. You will act in a new way. Because I am changing you from the inside out. From the inside out. From the inside out. Right now, I am renewing your mind. I am renewing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, everything that would limit you, everything that would tell you you're one thing, everything that would tell you that this is how God works, that this is the kind of person God works with. This is how, God, and God is saying, I, I, I decide how I work. I will do what I do because I am God. Get up, take up your bed and walk. Walk free from your limitation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're standing, just stay standing. Just keep enjoying a moment of worship. That's absolutely fine. I'm going to just pray right now. You know what? If, you, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior, I want to give you a moment right now to say yes to Jesus. Because the way that, the, the way that I saw limitation come up my life, and, and heal me from the things of my history was that I made a decision to invite Jesus Christ into my heart and life, to recognize that He died on a cross more than 2,000 years ago, to heal me from my shame and my guilt, from every wrong thing I've done, and to give me a brand new hope and a brand new future.